an official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Angie's List is now Angie, your home for everything home. Angie still has the same top pros and reviews you've counted on for more than 20 years. Only now, you'll also get access to all the tools you need to make your home a happy place. Inside, outside, big or small, Angie helps you find the right solution for whatever you need done all from your phone. It's simple to find upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. You can even search pricing guides to see what others paid for similar jobs and easily compare quotes from top local pros to make sure you're getting a fair price. From lawn care to repairing the AC to the project of your dreams, Angie has your home projects handled from start to finish. Plus, when you book and pay through Angie, they'll cover your project up to the full purchase price plus limited damage protection with their happiness guarantee. Make your home an Angie home. Check out Angie.com today. And for more on the happiness guarantee, go to Angie.com forward slash happiness hyphen guarantee dot htm. Pour yourself a cold one. Let's drink them, huh? And listen to Ross Tucker and Philadelphia Eagles film junkie Fran Duffy break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft podcast, which is always presented by betonline.ag. You guys know the deal. Promo code PODCAST1. For the 50% welcome bonus. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. And we've been doing it a little bit differently ever since the draft, really just before. Been getting a different guest on pretty much every week. And today is no different. We will be joined by my new buddy, Michael Newman, from the College Football Bros podcast. So, We have looked at the draft from almost every angle, right? We've had Matt Waldman. We've had Kyle Krabs. We've had other people come on and give their thoughts on the draft. What about from a college football perspective? What about who are the guys that you can't believe they went that high or went that low and what it means for different college football programs? Well, we recently brought aboard the College Football Bros podcast to our repertoire over at RT Media, RossTucker.com. I listened to several episodes. These guys are awesome. It's three brothers talking about college football, and it's hilarious, and they have a great rapport, and I wanted to bring them in the fold because we don't really have a college football show. We have the College Football Draft show, the College Draft podcast, but nothing really that's just talking college football, not from a draft perspective. So very excited today to be joined by Michael Newman, who's kind of the head brother of the college football bros. You can follow them on Twitter at CFB bros, at CFB bros. And they all have the same dad. They all graduated, which is why I'm going to awkwardly mention really quickly That if you don't have a Father's Day gift yet, it's myfrontpagestory.com. Less than a month away, and it takes some time to write the story 
the people that got him for Mother's Day, the mom's crying. Unbelievable. Give your dad the coolest gift he's ever gotten. Or even if you have like a college or high school graduate out there, a wedding gift. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons why you can go to myfrontpagestory.com. But I digress. It is Michael Newman time. Let's do it. All right, so Michael, I guess I want to start by talking about what the draft means from a conference perspective and the amount of talent in each conference because, you know, the SEC dominated again and it feels like they dominate more and more each year, although the ACC usually has a pretty good run at it too. Clemson helps. And then I know you're out there in Cali. Pac-12, bro. Holy (laughs) cow. I mean, what a terrible year for the Pac-12. I don't even have the stats in front of me. I just know it was a real bad year out West. Yeah, I I think that is definitely the perception out there. But I I think I can kind of dispel that notion a little bit. Obviously, you're right about the SEC there. They're dominating the way. They had 64 players drafted. I believe that's the most ever for a conference. So no surprise there. But there actually is kind of a cluster behind them of, of three conferences. You got the Big Ten, the Big 12, and maybe surprisingly, uh, the Pac-12. And if you look per team that, that each of those conferences had, had players drafted, they're all right about the just above two and a half players per team. Obviously, the Big Ten has more teams than the Big 12 and Pac-12. But I think right now the Pac-12 is not in as dire of straits as as the perception is out there of course they don't have the top school in the conference right now that's competing for playoff spots and and certainly not national championships but i think the situations at usc and ucla are the reasons there they're getting the talent under jim mora ucla was getting the talent even under clay helton usc has been getting it and and you've been seeing that in the draft they do have some players drafted but unfortunately they just haven't been able to coach them so I think part of it is probably, you know, just the first round too, right? Is right. SEC had nine, ACC seven, Big Ten seven, and then Big 12 three, which might be like all Oklahoma dudes, um, and then Pac-12 three. I guess that's kind of the perception, don't you feel like, in college football now that the SEC, ACC, and Big Ten – are kind of at a at a higher level than Big 12 and Pac-12. Correct me if you think I'm wrong. I guess, um, you know, obviously Oklahoma's excellent, and Pac-12 has pretty good depth. You know, I think a lot of that sometimes is based on USC's kind of down, and so they don't have, like, the marquee out west. And then with the Big 12, it feels like it's Oklahoma. And I know uh, Texas had a nice year, but it feels like Oklahoma and then who else? I'm thinking that that's part of the reason for this perception as well. I agree. And and the perception with the, the SEC and, and Big Ten being on top, I think, is is correct. I think the ACC is is right now at least more Clemson-based because really with Florida State down and, and really just not – and Miami down, of course, there's not a lot of super talented teams outside of, of Clemson there. With the other schools, the Pac-12 and Big 12, I think what – the reason that perception lives on is that they have fewer schools, especially the Big 12. They've o- they only have 10 schools. So if you just look at it from a raw number standpoint, it might look worse than it actually is. Yep. First round picks for the Pac-12 included Andre Dillard, um, uh, 
who got drafted by the Eagles. Uh, Washington had a first-round pick as well. For the Big 12, it was Oklahoma with Kyler Murray, uh, of course, as well as uh, TCU. L.J. Collier was kind of the, the surprise one, I guess, if you will. The other guy, Hollywood Brown, went in the first round, of course. Um, Mississippi State. I mean, Mississippi State has back-to-back first-round picks. That, I think, is kind of like the difference um, sometimes. Kayla McGarry from Washington went. Nikhil Harry from Arizona State went. In the, the last two picks, could have been real rough for the Pac-12. <laughs> real rough. Cause I don't think people were expecting those guys to be first-round picks, and yet they went with the last two picks. I think that probably affects the uh, the conference as well. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I think it is a good indicator, but I think your point's well taken that maybe the Pac-12 isn't as down as everybody thinks when you look at the total number of draft picks and even you know the same number of first-round picks as the Big 12. Right. No, I completely agree with that. So I always like talking about – and by the way, I think that there's a decent amount of talent – coming in the Pac-12 up this upcoming year, when you think about Oregon, some of the USC kids, I think Oregon has several guys, obviously led by Justin Herbert. So I think that they might have a, a, a pretty solid year upcoming, both on the field and in next year's draft, I would imagine. Yeah, Oregon is very talented right now. And they're actually, they unlike previous years, they have some some good talent on the defense. And Looking forward ahead in three, four years, that's not going to stop. Oregon is recruiting at an unbelievable level. So I think you're going to see most of the draft picks, most of the high-end draft picks from the top, from the Pac-12 coming from Oregon. What do you attribute that to, just Cristobal's aggressiveness? Yeah, Cristobal, I mean, he, he clearly puts an emphasis on recruiting. And, of course, he's learned under Nick Saban. So I think he's trying to deliver that Alabama model to Oregon and – so far, so good. It's they, they are going into L.A. and taking guys that USC really wants. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's just something that Cristobal emphasizes. It's unbelievable because um, they're getting kids all over the country. And it felt like I almost thought the Oregon you know, uniform thing, Chip Kelly, I almost thought that that was over. But it's like he's bringing it back. You know, he he's is, bringing yeah. back and that, it, that it's cool to be at Oregon again. Absolutely. And you thought Willie Taggart, that that was a great hire when they got him and, and he jumped up the recruiting even a little bit. And then when they hired Cristobal, it kind of seemed, at least to me, seemed like a little bit of a boring hire, just kind of promoting from within the guy that made the most sense. But I am you know, happy to say I think I've been dead wrong about that. What about some of the um, surprises in terms of individual players? Because I think that's a little bit different in terms of individual players that, you know, guys that maybe went higher than you thought or lower than you thought? Yeah, that's something that, especially as as a purely college football podcast, we're not too focused on how guys are going to translate into the NFL, of course, unlike, unlike your podcast here, the College Draft Podcast. Um, but one of those guys, well, the obvious one that went a lot higher than maybe a lot of college football fans would expect is Daniel Jones. He just wasn't really all that relevant in the college football world. But I always say I'm, I'm, I'm not going to denigrate that pick too much because I'm, you're talking to a guy who thought that Jimmy Clausen was going to be a great NFL quarterback. So I, I've learned to uh, temper my scouting opinions. Um, another guy was, uh, was Josh Jacobs. He was 
going into last year, way down the list of of relevant college running backs. And even during the season, of course, he was very good, but he was one of kind of a a trio of of running backs there at Alabama that that got the bulk of the carries. So when draft time came around and I saw that he was getting mocked to the first round, that was definitely a big surprise as as a college football podcast podcaster. Yeah, that's always um, that's always why I like talking to the college football guys to be like, who are these guys that just totally surprised you or came out of nowhere? And you didn't. I mean, obviously, people don't talk about Duke football that much as it is, but you really just uh, did not think highly or did not really think that Daniel Jones. Like, at what point did you ever think during the season Daniel Jones is a really good quarterback or really good quarterback prospect? I mean, I I think we thought that he was pretty good just because there's, of course, not a ton of talent at Duke. And he was producing pretty well. It's not as if he was a bad quarterback in college. But I certainly never thought of him as a first-round NFL draft pick because, you know, being a college football podcast purely, we just we're looking at production and we're looking about how guys are producing at the college level without an eye towards, you know, their physical talent towards the NFL. So that one certainly came out of nowhere for me what about and by the way i i mentioned this you know in fairness to him i mean you know duke hasn't had a single other guy drafted since 2015 i mean I did not they're going up against that. like clemson i mean think about the other i mean even nc state seemingly has like five dudes drafted every year you know what i mean i mean clemson obviously yeah. has a million but then even the other schools the u usually has several guys i mean they're just they are at a major, major talent deficit. That's true. And and I think that's something people underrate. They always talk about when players are getting drafted into the NFL, how much the situation matters and how much of an impact it has on, you know, whether your NFL career is a success or failure. But the same thing is is true in college. I mean, just look no further than Oklahoma. I think it's no coincidence that the two Oklahoma quarterbacks, the two quarterbacks that were in Lincoln Riley, you know, one of the great offensive minds in his system with the offensive line they had the unbelievable receivers it's just a much easier system to have a lot of success obviously and you see baker mayfield and kyler murray go go number one back to back yeah that's that's pretty incredible and that's the point i made too you know kyler murray he had four offensive linemen both guards both tackles go in the first four rounds of the draft like yeah that's insane and then even their center Creed Humphrey was like the 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 freshman All American center who like yeah. might be a high pick next year. They had Hollywood Brown goes in the first round his his receiver, and you can even speak his other receiver Ceedee Lamb's really good, right? Absolutely, no, they are absolutely stacked. I think you know maybe I could put up like a fifty percent completion percentage as Oklahoma's quarterback. Maybe I'm going too high there, but you know I'd have a better shot there than Duke. And then even Ohio State, I mean, he had a couple offensive linemen drafted at Haskins. His receivers went second and third round. I mean, his backup running back got drafted. Mike Weber. I mean, I, I, it's like Duke can't get a guy drafted. And Ohio State, forget even the defensive guys, Ohio State has backups getting drafted. Even Oklahoma's <laughs> running back that missed the whole year got drafted in the sixth round. It's like, I know. I, I do not envy the job of NFL scouts trying to separate out the impact of you know the other 10 guys on the field from the player that you're evaluating. That seems like a tall task. Uh, and the Josh Jacobs point is interesting just because 
he, he's a very good player, and, and I, I can see why people love him. But it is interesting that like he was kind of behind Damian Harris or split time with Damian Harris and even split time with Najee Harris, who I guess will be the main guy next year. It's just they always have so many running backs that it's hard to ever think. It's it's interesting. Like Derrick Henry was a second round pick. It's just interesting thing that Jacobs went higher than Derrick Henry, who's a physical phenom and averaged forty seven carries per game his last year at Alabama. It is crazy. And the other thing is that Josh Jacobs, even going into Alabama, I believe he was a three star recruit. So he's not he's not a guy with the the five star pred- pedigree like most of the other players on Alabama. So that was uh, that was definitely a surprise. And you see, you know, Alabama running backs, Wisconsin running backs. I think you're probably going to start to see it with Oklahoma quarterbacks. Those guys that are in situations that just seem tailor made for, for for you to have success. It's going to be hard to evaluate whether it's for real or not. So um, let's get to some of the guys that you were surprised didn't go higher just based on being a college football connoisseur like you are. Who did you think would go <laughs> higher than they ended up going? Yeah, there was a couple guys. Well, there was really a lot of guys, but the, the two that I kind of focused in on were Travion Williams from A&M. He was just unbelievably productive last year I think he had over two two thousand all-purpose yards and yet he fell to the sixth round so I know he's he's undersized so I guess at least from a height perspective so that's the reason he falls but the talent just really seemed to be there and the other guy maybe even more surprising was Sutton Smith from Northern Illinois maybe the most productive player in all of college football the last several years of course he was a, a defensive end so he was always near the top of, of college football in terms of sacks and tackles for loss. Understandably, it's in, it's in a group of five conference, but still it was a big surprise for me to see him last until the sixth round. Yeah, and I think he, I think he got drafted by the Steelers, which is a real good fit for him. There's a, there's a history of like Mac guys and even FCS guys like if you can rush the passer, you can rush the passer. And there's a history of those guys going out there and showing that they could do it in the NFL level. It does seem to be a position where production translates more than a lot of other positions. Yeah, that's kind of how I look at it as well. Um, now, I know you are a Nebraska fan. So yes, unfortunately. I unfortunately. Get, yeah, so I want to get your thoughts on Nebraska having – Zero players drafted for the first time in 56 years. That's yeah, did, unbelievable. Did we have to talk about this, Ross? I really w- would rather not talk about it. But Okay, I'm glad you said that. So here's a question <laughs> for you. No, In all sincerity, do you care? Like, you're, you're a college football fan. You're a Nebraska fan. You obviously care about their recruiting. You care about what their record is. You care about how good they are. But I always think it's interesting because there are some fans that really care about how their team does from a draft perspective and others that really couldn't care less. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we didn't have a major. I don't care. You know, we were eight and three or we were 10 and one, you know, whatever our record was, you know, that's all I care about. So tell me, so evidently you do care. Why do you care? Well, I guess there's, it's kind of, there's kind of two sides of the coin. I guess you could say I care because. When you put a lot of players into the NFL draft, high school prospects take notice of that. I mean, look no further than than Clemson right now. Their defensive line class, of course, was 
unbelievable. They had, what, three, three defensive linemen go in the first round. And if you look at their 2020 recruiting class, they've already got the top three defensive tackles committed. So there's definitely a correlation right there. But if the reason I, I guess I don't care is that you're right. I'm just focused on Nebraska succeeding in college. I, I'm not too concerned with how guys do in the NFL. Um, and, and it's actually, you know, it could be a good thing t- to see because it just goes to show that there really was a failure by Mike Riley, of course, the previous coach, from a, a development standpoint. It's not as if the recruiting really fell off all that much. He was recruiting decently well for Nebraska. I think he was getting top 25, top 30 classes. So um, Scott Frost is going to continue that recruiting and even improve upon it. All he needs to do is to develop them, develop them like Paul Chris does at Wisconsin or like Chris Peterson does at UW. So there is an, an opportunity there for Frost. What about, um, I was surprised their one receiver didn't get drafted. Yeah, that was definitely a big surprise. That You, you would have thought... I think this the similar thing happened last year with uh, with Iowa State, who was a team that hadn't had several players, uh, several years without a player drafted. And Alan Lazard, who was super productive at the college football level, ended up not getting drafted. So it's you know, I, I I've stopped trying to predict these things, especially after my uh, Jimmy Clausen miss. <laughs> What's your Jimmy Clausen miss? Well, just I, I was very confident that he was going to go to multiple Pro Bowls. I thought I just thought he was going to be a great quarterback, and I was clearly very wrong on that. That's funny, man. Um, that's really funny. Oh, he was a good college quarterback. No, you thought when he went to the NFL that he was going to be a great. I NFL thought when quarterback? he went to the NFL, yeah, yeah. So far be it from me to complain about you know Stanley Morgan not getting drafted. What about um, what does Nebraska have in the pipeline coming up? They're they're recruiting, you know, decently well. I think their last class was about twentieth. So I think you're gonna you're gonna start to see Scott Frost churning out some players to the NFL, especially the way he develops. You look at what he did at UCF, taking an zero and twelve team and and leading them to twelve and zero within a couple of years. So you're gonna start seeing some players from Nebraska get drafted. What about coaching? Because, I mean, you look at this situation, you mentioned Wisconsin, and it's like if you're an O-lineman, go to Wisconsin or Iowa, or I guess if you're a tight end, go to Iowa. There really is something. I guess if you're a running back, go to Penn State. You know, after Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders. Yeah. Uh, it does. I, I don't know how much it's recruiting, how much it's coaching, but it certainly seems like, I mean, Lincoln Riley, back-to-back Heisman winner, number one overall picks. So are you kidding me? Yeah, that that has to be a lot of coaching going on there and a lot of the talent around you. And I think another good example, really the perfect example of how much coaching and situation affects where you get drafted is Gardner Minshew. He, of course, at East Carolina was on nobody's radar as far as getting picked in the NFL draft. And he was this close to grad transferring to Alabama. And he was just going to be content to, you know, sit behind Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavaloa there and, start his his coaching career presumably but Mike Leach comes in at the last minute gives him a chance and you saw what happened in that Mike Leach offense it's easy to have success and you know credit to Gardner Minshew he took full advantage of it but had he not transferred to Washington State you know most of of the listeners to this podcast would never have heard of him yeah that's a pretty good point um I would say a really good point uh it's crazy Lincoln I mean if you're a quarterback Lincoln Riley is a pretty good guy to go to. 
Uh, Mike Leach is a pretty good guy to go to. It used to seem it used to seem too like people would hold it against you the Leach thing. Now I think that that's kind of going away a little bit too. You know where it's not like oh yeah, but he's doing it in the air raid, blah blah blah. I think that's changing a little bit. Last question for you, Michael, and it's just you kind of hit on it all earlier. But really, the biggest issue with like Nebraska not having anybody drafted or things like that, it really is just, I feel like with every passing year, the uh, the impact that the draft has on recruiting is increased. Like, I'll give you an example. I think there's a chance that the number one uh, wide receiver in the country, who's from near where I live in Pennsylvania, the reports seem to indicate he's going to go to Ohio State instead of Penn State. And I think that's because Penn State doesn't really have very many receivers drafted. I think Ohio State has like nine receivers drafted like the last three or four years. I think that's a big factor. Yeah, I think more and more high school players are, you know, willing to go farther to go to the right place as long as, you know, it's going to get them into the draft. You look right now, um, Clemson just got a commitment from a quarterback, one of the top uh, quarterback prospects, and he's from California, but He's going, he's going across the country because he sees what's happening with Trevor Lawrence right now, and he sees the opportunity that once Trevor Lawrence, inevitably after his junior season, goes pro and probably goes number one, that he can be the next guy there to just slot into that quarterback position. So, yeah, I think you are seeing players more and more. I mean, it's not necessarily a new phenomenon, but I think it's, it's increasing. They're choosing the school that's going to get them into the NFL. Michael, really appreciate this time. This was fun. Keep up the great work on the College Football Bros podcast. Really happy to have you guys aboard. And I like getting the college football perspective on the draft, especially like after a few weeks when when the dust settles a little bit. Thanks so much. No, thanks so much for having me, Ross. And uh, I can't can't wait to uh, tell my my co-hosts, Ryan and Trey, that you, you chose who to have on the podcast based on who you thought the best podcaster was. So... I'll, I'll be sure to tell without him, question. Him that. Coolest brother, best looking, exactly. everything. There's, there's exactly. no question. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ross. Thanks, man. Really hope you guys check out that podcast. Michael's an awesome guy, and especially when he's on with his two brothers, it is really fun to listen to. And I love college football, so it's nice for me to have a college football podcast to listen to. It is the College Football Bros podcast at. CFB bros. Um, last thing I need to tell you before we move on and I get ready for the fantasy feast with Evan Silva, which will be posted later today. Very important that you go to betonline.ag if you like to wager on things like the NBA, like NHL, or we still have one more triple crown race. There's some good fights coming up. It's betonline.ag. The promo code's podcast one. Heck, you can start betting on college football. And as we're going to talk about on the Even Money podcast tomorrow, some of these places like CGT Technology, they have their entire, they have a line, they have the lines up for every game the whole year. So you'll hear from Fezzik on the Even Money podcast tomorrow exactly how he's going to go about betting on those. It's betonline.ag. It's promo code podcast one, so you get the 50% welcome bonus. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. 
Thanks for enjoying your frosty one while listening to the college draft. Chuck, 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 chuck. Make sure you're also subscribing to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, and Even Money Podcasts. All available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.